I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack. Thank you for joining. This podcast is, as I say in the opening, I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal another. The original tagline of this podcast is to treat people like people and nothing less. And I think the only way we can get to treating people like people, not data, not not any other title, not any reductionary label that society in this progressive time wants to ascribe to humanity, but, but a full functioning human being with a mind, body, soul, spirit, and heart to treat people like people, nothing else and nothing less. It takes us healing and dear brothers and sisters, I'm serious when I say buckle up for this episode. I think it's the longest episode I've ever done with someone. It's two hours long with John Paul Rice. I'm going to get to his bio in a second. This episode, there's no accident that it's getting released when it is um, uh, today. And we are in unprecedented times, but that is what's so beautiful about this. John Paul will talk about um, really the precipice of choosing where humanity is going to go. And this whole episode is so powerful. Um, I even played it back. <laughs> just like, man, talking about creating something beautiful together. So I am honored that you've joined this podcast, joined this journey with me. Um, and before we get started into the podcast and before I introduce John Paul Rice, um, again, I'm honored that we have a show sponsor. So I want to read this. Um, Sound Soul Studio. This is our sponsor, Sound Soul Studio. It's an online yoga and wellness studio where music meets the mat to align your mind, body, and soul with the power of movement. The goal of Sound Soul, Sound Soul Studio is to offer fun and engaging classes that fit into the nooks, crannies, and budgets of our lives. Yoga and fusion classes utilize dynamic movement to build strength and flexibility. Dynamic movement is at the core of everything they do at Sound Soul Studio. Their yoga classes are great for beginners and experienced yogis alike. Their classes feature creative movement set to music for a unique experience compared to your traditional classes. Need a moment to unwind? Sit down and relax with one of the quick meditations to find balance throughout the day. Take time for yourself and start your free seven-day trial and just for $9 per month when your trial ends. Use, co use code GOLDEN. That's G-O-L-D-E-N. For 30% off your first month, head to soundsoulstudio.com and subscribe today. So that's it, brothers and sisters. That is the sponsor. Please go support Jamie Vezina, who um, runs and owns Sound Soul Studio. Support her. She's supporting me and supporting us in this movement. It's such a beautiful um, time to support beautiful souls that are on the same mission to see the hurting get healed, the healed go out and heal another. So with all that said, 
I'm about to introduce you, Mr. John Paul Rice. So John Paul Rice began his uh, film career in Georgia working on Jerry Bruckheimer's Remember the Titans during Denzel Washington, uh, starring Denzel Washington. And he also worked on We Were Soldiers starring Mel Gibson. In 2001, John landed a position at the Los Angeles Film Finance Sales and Production Company, Senator International, a U.S. division of Senator Films in Germany, which later became Mandate Pictures. Led by industry veteran Joseph Drake, executive producer of The Hunger Games, Juno, The Grudge, Harold and Kumar, among others. Under Joe's leadership, John developed an interest in producing independent feature films. In 2008, John Paul formed No Restrictions Entertainment with filmmaker Edgar Michael Bravo. Over the past 12 years, the duo have produced seven compelling independent films, um, of which One Hour Fantasy Girl, The Magic Stone, Memories of a Lost Love, Mark's Secret of uh, to Eternal Life, A Nice Quiet Life, A Child's Voice, which is really an important movie to watch, and most re- recently, Game Day, which is also, I, I've seen both of them, uh, really powerful. And we talk about that in this movie or in this episode. Um, so all seven films tell bold, authentic, real-life stories of survival in the face of uncertainty with hope and love for a better world. Um, a Child's Voice in Game Day, which I just said I watched, I can see what you'll get when you watch the movies and you see this episode with John Paul, you will understand what type of content he's putting out there. It's deep, deep humanity being revealed, being brought to the surface so that we can all look at ourselves as, as vessels to bring, bring up from the very depth of our souls, all that needs to be healed, all that needs to be revealed. Um, And so I'm excited to bring this episode to you, brothers and sisters. Here is John Paul Rice. I, I reached out to John Paul, I don't know, a while back. He's He gave this video, as many of you have, who follow this show have probably seen it. And I got choked up because it was, he said it in such a matter-of-fact way, but it was such a courageous video to put out into the world. and. I'm just excited to have you here, brother. I really am. And one of the things that uh, thinking about our episode today that we're going to create uh, two nights ago, I was sitting and I was, I've been thinking about AI and the satanic binary coded zero and one world that this matrix world, which I just got tickets to see the matrix. I'm excited to see the new one coming out. I hope it's uh an eye-opening thing, but I was, I was sitting there and I was really praying like, God, why, why do the artists, why does art, why does film, why do the musicians and even the athletes get corrupted so easily in a world where we could create such beauty and an inspiration? There's so much degradation of the human soul in all the art that we see. And And this is what I was shown and (laughs) sorry to drop like the big philosophical bomb as we start, but I would love to get your take on this. So, you know, AI, the matrix code can take a cake recipe 
and it can read the precision of those measurements and the ingredients, and it can probably pick the best ingredients, source it throughout the world, and the time that it must bake, and pull it out of the oven, and voila, there is the output of what the code says it's supposed to be. Right. What it cannot create is what a human knows. Like a human Mm -hmm. knows just five seconds longer, just five seconds sooner, that nuance, that nuance that says, no, this is, this is perfect. This is a perfect creation and it's not found within the zeros and ones. And, and so I, and so I felt like God say, that's why Satan co-ops or corrupts the artists because artists are those who who move within nuance and the code can't figure out nuance. So it takes those who does, who do know, understand nuance of the beauty of creation and Mm -hmm. then taints that. So I share all that to say, I'm really excited to have you on brother. I'm excited to just explore with you and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Well, Lucas, um, I just wanted to say that, you know, for your audience and the people that are going to learn about you through my audience as well, and we cross-pollinate quite a bit on social yeah. media, um, it's really an unprecedented time that we're living through on a conscious awareness level. All of this has been with us throughout all of human history. Truly, there's always been a group that has sought to take the divine truths and invert them and make them part of the propaganda in order to reduce that manifestation of creation. Um, What has occurred is an awakening, and I'm not talking about any kind of spoken knowledge, but an awakening within the soul of humanity collectively and otherwise that is starting to become aware of these deceptions. They're starting to see them more carefully, clearly. However that has happened collectively, it is moving in that direction. And the struggle that we've always had is that we don't realize what our true value really is. We don't realize what we really are. And um, in this time, you know, through the journey of my life and career, just like you and everyone else individually and uniquely, as well as collectively, we have always been perceiving the divine. Mm -hmm. It is always the authorities who have diminished that, who have turned on us, that we continually compete in this ritual called voting and government and institutions and our belief in these brands. And it's not so much necessarily satanic because that's a hard one to kind of it's kind of hard to go up and say well here's the whole empire right and then you go well what the hell can i do (laughs) right Right? it's just so big and so massive and yet the projection of it is what we take in in the program and they use trauma-based mind control neuro-linguistic programming suggestive emotional language that changes the meaning of things in the context all of this is we could talk about this for hours but the truth of the matter is is what you said mechanically functionally technically all the steps could be applied in order on a linear timeline to bake that cake right and then here's your cake but the missing ingredient is us. 
Yes, that's right. Our heart, our vibration, grandmother's cooking. Why does it taste so good that I can't get those same things with the best recipes, the best ingredients at the store? Because you have to bake that cake. Mm -hmm. You have to put the love in it. You have to put the vibrational energy of the enjoyment and the love that you experience. You are recreating that over and over and over again in matter. Mm. That's coming from your mind and your heart and your emotions to create the feeling, the feeling of giving, the feeling of love, the feeling of care for. Even with all of the differences, this is not a, a zero-sum game. This is sort of the distribution of our collective in each of us and finding the, the intrinsic beauty and value, which all starts at the birth of a child. Because that is where all of God's manifesting of the light, the purest light is coming in. This has been, and, and I know that, and I'm just saying this for those who may be a little bit apprehensive of it, because I have encountered those who say, no, children are sinful and they're all, mm. listen, you either believe that you are a child of God created in the image of him, or you are going to go down a path that diminishes your value, as has been done for 10,000 years of human history by a very small group of people who have used the institutions, used the controls and the levers of power in order to create the duality that we are seeing play out here today. So in the face of all of this evidence, if you are still diminishing yourself in this time, this is not about me, my, I, myself, the ego. Mm -hmm. This is not about my selfish drives. This is about the universal truths that are in every single form of creation and life on this planet. And the people that are waging war on us right now, as evidenced, regardless what your understandings are, they are creating stimulation and sedation rituals, death rituals and sedation rituals. They are turning the dials back and forth all over the world through the governments, through the agencies, through the collective. They are waging this war to, for humanity to turn on themselves and not believe that they are important. We are going to have people in this time who view human beings as a virus that need to be eradicated. We are going to have people in this time who are going to view humanity on the whole as being something that has to be cold and reduced. And, and why? Because the dissolving of our institutions and the lack of confidence in our leadership is creating this. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, of course, that describes a problem and that introduces fear. And fear is a future state. It's a perceived threat ahead. But again, this is all part of the program. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So so our our job is to realize that if there is a true spirituality or a spiritual nature about us, that we are more than this flesh and blood alone, mm. that it goes back to the child. It doesn't come into adulthood. We are looking at the time where we need to look at children. If your understanding of governments involved with Jeffrey Epstein and pedophilia should tell you anything is the diminished value of children among all of those individuals who believe in the unconscious world of power. Mm. They seek to have power over the powerless. That's what totalitarian regimes do. Mm. They see themselves as gods among all of us because they possess all the information, all the authority that you submit to. Mm. 
The key is that we are the real value. That's why they're doing this to us. It has nothing to do with politics, left or right. Yes, there is authoritarianism out there, but it cannot survive unless it lives here rent-free in your head. That's all it is. It's a mind game. It's a conscious mind game. It's about mind control. It's about submission, obedience. Mm. It's about you turning against people because you have a perception that they have programmed into you, right or left, whatever your politics are, it doesn't really matter. They only need one side to start it. The other side will respond to it. They'll give it energy. They will read on social media all of the agendas. They will repost and share. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you stop living your life because that's how Satan wins. Satan wins not by saying, hi, I'm Satan. Satan wins by turning you against yourself. That's the true Luciferian Satanist world. Because what they do is they make us hurt each other because we have been hurt in childhood from the vaccine programs, which are there to cut off your spiritual connection. They do it through your parents who love you, who really love you, but who have bad programming from their parents, the generational abuse, the mind control, the trauma-based mind control, All of these people who do this to children know exactly how to get into your mind without you even knowing it. Mm. So this is where spiritual warfare really comes into play. It's a higher realm. The key is, and I'm going to end with this, the key is this, is to know that those who are in the levers of power, even beyond the faces that we see today, okay, this is the, the men behind the men, right? The man behind the curtain that is not going to come out and tell you, oh, here I am, right? What they are doing and what they want at the end of the day is a vessel that they can program that is non-human. That's why there's non-binary children being raised today. All of this is to get rid of identity, identification, and find it in the world. Mm. And the big issue along with all of this is this, and know this is true. They cannot perceive a higher dimension beyond the fourth, where there is the quantum realm of the Holy Spirit. This is not a religious issue. This is not a church issue. This is not a doctrine. These people don't have access to the higher realms because they have cut off that connection from childhood to now. Psychopaths still have a soul, very dimly lit, but they cannot connect to something that they're blocked access to. And we have in this time a real chance, not just in the tyranny, but going forward, how we choose to live. (laughs) Brother. So many, I think we can just say the end. (laughs) And just leave it. I mean, that, yes. And, I'm so glad that we're talking because as I, I come from you, you, I think you saw my Ted talk. I, I grew up in a Jesuit family and in the power structure. Mm-hmm. And so what I talk about is 0.00001 of my life and the experience that I've had. Um, and yet I was raised in a, uh, evangelical home with a Jewish mom and then this Roman Catholic Irish 
Calvin in this and in just confusion, just confusion. That is the one word that I fear and confusion. The two words that I define my life, fear and confusion. Mm-hmm. And at 19, I had anorexia at 20. I tried to kill myself. Like it was just this, I couldn't take it any longer. I couldn't take the confusion, but God who the most high God, the creator of all that is <laughs> intervened. I mean, I failed with an attempt with every fiber of my being to try to end and get out of this realm. And then there I was still in this realm. Like, <laughs> and it was really a wild experience and I can laugh now, but it was no laughing for many years after that. Mm-hmm. But I started reading every religious text I could find every, I can give a dissertation on every denomination in Christianity, all the sects of Judaism. Uh, I've studied with Hasidic rabbis and I mean, for years I've consumed, I read the King James Bible seven times cover to cover in 14 years. I was just like, I need to know what is truth. I'm so sick and tired of being told what is the truth. I need to know what is truth. Right, right. And one of the things you, you just said something, I think is one of the most important narratives that must be destroyed and you're destroying it with what you were saying is that we are sinners. We are evil. We are wicked. We are. And I'll tell you right now, everyone listening, there is not one verse in the entire Bible from Genesis one to revelation chapter 22 that calls us sinners where mm-hmm. we get that doctrine of original sin. The Catholic church pulled that doctrine from this one verse in Psalms. When David says in iniquity to my mother conceive me, well, then guess what? David's mother's never mentioned any time in the Bible. So why was David not counted with the brothers? Oh, because he wasn't the same mother figure with the other brothers. It wasn't that he was this lowly young, oh, we leave the young out. No, he wasn't. He didn't have the same mom as his brothers. Jesse, his dad had intimate relations with some woman we don't know. But David acknowledges in iniquity did my mother conceive me, but you took me from this small, lowly place, not esteemed, and you brought me high and you've taken the high and you brought them low. It's a really beautiful dichotomy, but yet the church says we're born sinners. Mm -hmm. And that gives credence to parents and the same Romanism, the same sociopathic reptilian draconian insanity that we apply this logic out. If I'm born a sinner, and it is virtuous to beat a child. Then I say, and you love the child. How much do you love that child? Why don't you beat him to death and really show the child how much you love that child? It's an impossibility. There's no absolute in that narrative and saying, well, how much should I beat a child? And people say, I'm not beating. I spank a child. Well, I'll spank you. <laughs> and it happens to be with my hand on your body and it will bring fear and, you know, the fight or flight and all these things. The, the reality is the Bible never says to strike a child. It says, um, and they use this term and I just want to bring all this up because I heard yeah. you speaking to those who bring that counter argument, which is based in religious Romanism. From the Catholic Church, from the Catholic Church, the Vatican, and every denomination is is a child of the Catholic Church. So it doesn't matter even the Anabaptists who claim to be the uh, non ever lineage of the Roman Catholic Church or the Reformation. I will tell you that why does your Pope, uh, pulpit and pew look exactly like the Mormon pulpit and pew look exactly like the Jehovah witness pulpit and pew and the Roman Catholic pulpit and pew and the reform Judaism pulpit and pew. Sorry guys. It's the same system. 
everywhere you go. And they say, spare the rod, spoil the child. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's this narrative. (laughs) What I say to them is, let's be literal on our words, because like you said, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, manipulates words. It's the scene, the serpent says, are you sure God said that? And they're like, like, I don't know. What did he say? Spare, we're told, means to withhold. Only in that one context of that word, except every other context of that word, the literal meaning, if you have spare change, you have extra change. If you have a spare tire, that's extra tire. If you have spare time, that's extra time. Mm. But only when it comes to striking a child, do they say, no, spare in an extra way, the rod spoils the child. That doesn't mean to use it on them. That means if you don't use it on them, how insane is that? Because truly, if you use David wrote, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, how could a rod and staff comfort if it's the same rod and staff that beats us? It's not. It was never used to beat the children or touch them. It was used to beat the wolves back that would even come close to putting a paw on that sheep. And this twisting of the narrative has caused, you know, even when you're saying we're all qualifying to this narrative that people, you know, pops into people's mind, but but what I'm saying, the very source of the text by which people live their quote unquote life song gives Mm -hmm. no basis to this truth. Yes. Right. 100%. I mean, I, 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 I take it even a step further that, what you said is try that on an adult and see what happens. And who can't fight back? A child. Child doesn't have a choice. Child has a, a, a television channel. It is watching 24 mm. seven for the first six years of its life called mom and dad. You are God to that child. And anything that you say to that child, anything that you do to that child, any fear that you put into that child, you are casting a void into them of loneliness, mm. of fear, anger, and hatred that will incubate and have a bill come due future. future. I have said this in some of my other interviews on a, on a modern day level. If you take a look at any of those mugshots of the children in Antifa mm. or BLM who are creating acts of violence with righteousness, but hatred and anger in their hearts, you will see a, a child that has been abused. The Christian right in this country, in the United States, is false in its, in its determination or its assessment that those children weren't beaten enough. They were, in fact, many of them. And I've talked to people in Portland who know these people, not that they're coordinating with them, but they knew how all of this crap started. Mm. Almost every single one of those kids who are now adults, who are creating acts of violence, feeling that they're fighting the good fight. Yeah. were all beaten and abandoned in childhood. Most of them were homeless living in the park at, as teenagers. They had meth addict parents. They had, these were, some were educated. It's not a poor issue or this, this thing of child abuse is something that I, I really try to message to people. It's like, do not underestimate trauma yes. in people. It is you are casting a reality of perception onto a child that is distorted, who every single child, including the serial killer, will be seeking love 
its entire life, no matter how distorted that actually is. And this is not uh, an excusing of behavior because I believe that everybody should be responsible and accountable for what they do. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you believe that your parenting and harm of your children is the good kind, this is how slippery of a slope it is because who's going to, who's seeing that actually happen in the home? Who, what authority is watching what you're doing to your child in the quiet moments that are not there. And this gets into a much larger discussion because if we continue down this path, we are inviting the authorities to come into our homes with the surveillance state, with the Wi-Fi and all the smart technology that's measuring and gathering and listening to us, just like these things have for the last 15 years, recording all of your phone calls, your GPS, all of your messages, mapping networks, profiles, all of it, just because we want to talk and have access to the world. This is not an anti-technology statement. But what I'm saying is, if we continue down this path, think of it logically, what we are setting ourselves up for as a future state and a prison state where people will demand surveillance in response to this time because the violence that's exploding and will continue to such a point that it will crest. But the demands of people who give up faith in humanity are going to ask for the authorities to come in with the technological solution that gets rid of the bureaucracy, eliminates all the inefficiencies, takes away human error in judgment. All of that is going to come as a result in smaller steps and stages. But the key is to not be afraid of that, is to live in the truth of knowing that every act of love that you give that child is a foundation of truth that is manifesting the rest of their life. And you do not know what trajectories you are changing. You and I can probably look back on our lives from where we came from, all of those strangers in moments who came in and out of our lives that gave us another connecting point, another node on that network that reinforced that, yes, there is still someone who cares about me, mm. who still gives a damn. Mm. I see this in homeless people when you give them money, not everyone, but there have been some more than often than not. When there is real love and care in that moment, I've seen them weep mm. and break down. There is Christ right there. That's right. It's not anywhere else. It's right That's there right. in that moment. Right. He went, who did he spend his time with? Right. Mythological figure, mystical, or the son of God, whatever. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying, is it true or not true? Who he spent his time with and went to and said, who are the blessed? Right. <laughs> the poorest of the poor, the sinner, the sinner, the beggar, the thief, the prostitute, the adulterer. He gave of himself to them, and his whole thing was not a hierarchical mm. place. It was right. Christ the shepherd yes. over the sheep, over the flock, over the ignorant, over the ones who would go out and repeat the same mistake over and over and over again. And what did he say? I will leave the 99 for the one, and I will search high and low day and yes. night until I find them yes. to bring them back. And I will do it again over and over according to my own will and accord. Mm. That is the power that is missing in this world. And what, what we must begin to understand is we have to heal ourselves within. This time is not about answers on the outside. If you're looking for a leader or a savior or something to come in and save the day, you are following into their trap. Yes. 
Yes. 100%. But the people that do the inner work and it's not, an, and there's, let me just say this, this is not a mechanical answer. This is a creative answer. This is your child's imagination, new possibilities, new ways of thinking versus this way or that way. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's something else, but you have to start somewhere. You are in your own story. You are writing your own story. You are in your own reality, as is 8 billion other people on this planet living in their own reality. We have connecting points of, you know, ideas of what we think are this, and we come together in groups and all that's fine. Nothing's wrong with that. But at the end of the day, in those quiet moments, when you're by yourself, you have your own thoughts and your own feelings about everything in contemplation in relation to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. However, if you are still going out there and saying, if we could only just do this, if we could only stop these people, then everything would be fine. That's a falsehood. If we could only get rid of all the pedophiles in the institutions, then the world would change. No, it won't. Because if we don't learn the lessons of this time, if we don't look back into the trajectory and to how we came about in our own individual unique lives and collectively, and see that we're no different, Mm. no different. Your story, my story, you came from this way, I came from this way, and here we are. We're we're sharing this space. We, Lucas, you and I, first of all, you know this statistically, you and I shouldn't be here right now. We should be somewhere else. We should be either dead or a meth addict or a prostitute or something, right? Prison, criminal. Yes. These people that we're looking at in a vacuum, judging them in the moment, not in the news, I'm talking about in the moment at 18, when they become legal, Mm. there was all the moments that came before preceded that moment. And they were on a trajectory that was nobody's plan A. Mm. This isn't, this is our unconscious doing this to ourselves. This is our nightmare. This is where we have to take accountability, responsibility for all of God's children Mm. and to understand the magnificence, preciousness, and spiritual nature of the manifesting consciousness that is unaware of itself when it comes in. It child doesn't know what it is. Right. Right. The first year and a half, I I, I cite some um, books. Alice Miller's Drama of the Gifted Child, For Your Own Good, The Hidden Roots of Violence Mm. and Cruelty in Parenting. The Body Never Lies. These three books out of her seven or eight that she wrote, this is 50, 60 years ago. Mm. She was blacklisted by the authorities, by the Freudians, all those who told truths but mixed it with perversion to invert the truth about how children desire their mother and father in opposite gender and sex roles at or as early as two and three years old. It's outrageous. And you know, here's the truth. She says it in her book. She said that Freud was on the verge a hundred years, over a hundred years ago of opening the door to the understanding that there was a direct correlation in his data and research with the patients that children who are depressed and suicidal, there is a high rate of sexual abuse or trauma induced by the mother and father. This is not a black and white issue because it's not one or the other. It's all of this, which if we want to look back in history, why all this has happened, our child rearing from 100 years ago to now has dramatically increased. We have a lower mortality rate in spite of all the programming. We have a higher compassion for children and a nurturing and a wanting to give mothers time with that baby to in the earliest days. Very important. 
We have, though, also at the same time, not realized that the language and the access to this kind of dialogue and opening was not available to any of them. They had, when, when we, just looking at the wars, World War I, World War II, soldiers came back, had PTSD, but there was no diagnosis for it. Mm. There was no treatment for it. This is why when we talk about our grandfathers or our fathers who fought in those wars, they don't speak about it because there was no one to talk about it to, not just in those experiences, but the trauma that it had created and hardened them with. Mm. And you don't get just somebody who's quietly abusive to themselves, self-medicating. You had people that beat each other, exploded with anger. Okay, so what does all of this mean? It means that we're coming into a conscious time where we are able to make words out of the feelings that we have mm-hmm. and put on them an understanding, new understandings, those anomalies, new understandings, new possibilities, new ways of thinking. We have today children being taught emotion freedom technique, mm-hmm. which if anybody looks into this data, it is the kind of stuff that we're talking about, regulation of vagus nervous system, we're talking about healing trauma, we're not talking about triggers that we have to cope with or, quote, manage and live with and prescribe drugs to in order to sedate ourselves, but we can actually heal. We are beings meant to heal. We are born to heal. Yes. And if we reverse the flow of this internal fear, which is our own trauma, when we look at that child and we see them do something that we don't like and we impulsively respond and go, don't do that. That's you. That's you back then with your mother and father who did exactly the same thing to you. That's why you're feeling so angry and being compelled to silence them, stop them. Don't do that. You know what? Here's what I can tell you. The child doesn't know what you're telling them. Yeah, the right. child is confused. The child is in a state of shock, that fight or flight, right? Depending on the severity is a life or death matter for that child. And here's the thing that people need to understand more than anything else about children. Mm-hmm. I know this from my own, my own abuse, like many do. Mm-hmm. In that moment that the parent is harming us, the child cannot conceive of the parent harming it. Child doesn't know that that's what mommy and daddy are doing because mommy and daddy love me and I love them. Child doesn't have a choice in that matter or a say in that matter. That's why we take it on ourselves and we blame ourselves and we carry that guilt and blame and shame throughout our whole lives and it manifests into all of these traumas Mm. that we don't have access to understand the connection from that history, the emotional reality. This is not a thought in a child. This is the emotional reality created through the fight or flight that makes the disassociation between the thought and the feeling completely disconnected. But more importantly is this, mommy and daddy can't disappear to the child Mm -hmm. because if mommy and daddy disappear, remember they're God. Yep. Yes. Mommy and daddy can't disappear because if they do, the child believes it will die. Mm -hmm. And so what the child has to do is the child has to disappear. The child has to disassociate. The soul has to leave the body while the acts of trauma are being done to it, for which it will have no memory of that will be banished. But it will, as I said later, it will come at a later date that bill will come due. It may manifest into extreme violence, both against itself or even other people that it perceives as a threat. Or 
it will go into the course of self-medication, drug abuse, addictions, sexual abuse, and all yeah, other yeah, things. All of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what you just said is everything. It's everything. It is so important. You just described the process of how children are surviving right now. And it's that disassociation is almost got choked up. I have three. We're about to have four baby number four at the end of January. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I, um, When I was 36 and my daughter was, my oldest was four, my middle was two. And then my um, youngest was just a month old. I started having flashbacks and that's when the bill came due. And I have been a journal, I've been a TV reporter. I've been in market, some of the biggest markets in this country. And I've covered some of the craziest stories. And I would always look at that and like compare to my story and like, like, I was always trying to find something that like validated my story or validated me, but I never talked about it. Not even my wife. I couldn't bathe our kids for the first 30, for the first six years of my children's life. I had never even been in the bathroom with them. I couldn't be in there with them. And what's sad is you're saying that and what's sad is I thought still that spanking was the right thing. So my oldest daughter, who's, an old soul which had a dream that she was my wife's mother at one time my wife i was actually like that's probably true like this she this she is a special 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 soul and i never did what was reenact i never reenacted i always like i thought it was like sit down come here we're gonna have to talk about it i have to do this and just still just horrible because there was an she's just a baby she's nine years old and yet at the table the other night, she put her food down and I, and she threw it down. I got angry. I'm like, that's disrespect. And then later that night, she was like, I'm a bad kid. And I'm like, you're not a bad kid. Well, why would you think that? And Lauren's like, my wife is like, that's the first four years. What you just heard is the first four years. And now I have the tools, thankfully. And I, you know, I've never touched my child ever since that and, and when I say spank, like I was and not even qualifying it, I thought I was doing the right way. That's why I'm like, there's no right way. You strike a child. I'm a huge guy. I'm almost 6'4", 250. I'm not a small person. So these little babies mm-hmm. look at me and I'm giant and I get angry, you know, or when I'd get angry. I'm sharing this to say, I'm thankful I have the tools now for my own children. I can see mm-hmm. a stark difference between my youngest child who never experienced that of me and my oldest child, both girls, obviously different personality types and souls, but also my youngest, I just know that imprint's not, I'm bad, but my oldest has the imprint that she'll, you know, she'll listen to this podcast, hopefully you, 10 years from now, and, and she'll, we give her all the tools of healing and, and understand healing. Mm-hmm. But I share this to say that disassociation It is um, a gift from God and also a curse in a way because 
you know, the, the gift is that's how we survive. We, I, right. I remember flying out of my body all the time. I could look at myself. I see, I even right now I have full memory. Now after the flashbacks, I could see myself. The flashbacks put me first person back in the act. That's what was happening. I was no longer third person observing. I was back in it. Um, right. just leading me to share with everyone listening and what John Paul just shared and like what I'm experiencing in real life. And as a father and someone who experienced it, broke it, but still for four years of my daughter's life, you know, that doesn't matter. She experienced trauma. And this, I guess I want to share one more thing and then I want to give it back to you is part of the imprint is the child trying to emulate the parent to connect with them. Like if I do what they do, they'll love me. If I just please, I guess that is the behavior. And I'll just, Mm -hmm. if I do this enough, they'll, I'll finally get approval validation that you are Mm -hmm. good. And then Mm -hmm. also that anger, I think that don't do that is our inner child somewhere warning that child. Don't do that. You're, you're going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt again. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. So Mm -hmm. there's two things going on. There's this trauma bond trying to connect and get approval from that parent. And it's also the inner child somewhere saying, don't do that. You're going to get me hurt. You're going to get in trouble somewhere back to that Mm -hmm. trauma. Back there. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the quantum realm is so, that's why healing has to be in the quantum level where time isn't linear that Jesus said, unless you come like, become like a little child, you may not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I always say heaven is mm-hmm. a, is a conjunction of heart, H E A and That's even it. balance, a balanced heart is heaven. And we are to bring heaven here on earth. So we have to go into that quantum where time is not linear, but we can go back as little children and speak on behalf of our child and give our yes. child a roaring lion's voice and tell the parents, like, this is what my, I had a born again experience, not in religion. And I was, I've been on staff at churches and ministries. And I've been <laughs> a whole thing. I, I, yep. I think I've asked Jesus into my heart maybe 15 times in my life. I never yep. had a born again experience. So I went to this emotional intelligence training and I've shared this on the podcast quite a bit. It was the first time I've ever experienced unconditional love in my life where people just said, mm-hmm. let it rip. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter how dirty, how ugly, how just let it rip. And I remember in this exercise, they, I, my buddy who's a Navy SEAL prompted me to go to this thing. And, and he said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And he's like, you have to do something that your instincts tell you not to do. And I was always hiding in the back of the class, not talk, you know, kind of class clown, hijack authority. If they, if I felt authoritarian, like I would take the, the reins from it. I get kicked out of class all the time. <laughs> and this time I went to this emotional intelligence and I sat in the front and I did everything to, because I just sharing with you, mm-hmm. I the suicidal tendencies never left. So if, if this didn't work, this is the last thing I had done two years of therapy at this point, I had done, I'd done religion, I've read all the texts I've meditated, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. If this didn't work, I wasn't coming home because I figured it was, and even knowing kids whose dads had killed themselves, I figured that the trauma that I kept causing in my own family and hurting my wife, even trying to me, like what would be worse trauma? I was in that victim mindset of, you know, 
I would cause less if I wasn't here, if I just stopped that trauma, mm-hmm. which is not true. Thank God. And it did work. So I went down really hard at this. <laughs> they were not prepared for the level of like, this guy is really mean in business. And I jumped up in front of the room and they said, go back to the most painful memory of your life. And I could only access at that point. It was like an onion. I've realized like, and even now that I help guys heal and workshops, like everything's like an onion. I could only access maybe like 10% down before yeah. I really got to the core heart of the, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, you know, what's happening. And it's in a dark room. There's 75 people in this training with me, all the staff and trainers. And, and I'm explaining it. my body. I am starting to really like shake, like in fear, shake my body. Like I'm afraid yeah. I'm a little kid again. And I'm a huge man. And I was a little boy in a huge man's body. And that was the irony of this, the, mm-hmm. my whole life in a way. And, and, um, he said, explain it. And I'm explaining it. And he's like, now turn around. And I will never forget in that moment, turning around in my mind's eye, like I'm standing in front of the whole group that's dark and I'm turning around in my mind's eye. And he's like, what do you want to say? And I like, just something had never been released inside of me. Like I never could speak. I was a keynote speaker on TV or published author. All, who cares? Bullshit. Meaningless words. Until I finally, from my child's core was like, <sighs> like just everything that was stuffed inside of me. Like, don't you ever touch me again. And just like, it like blew back everything. And even in this moment, I can feel that. Mm -hmm. That child, that little boy was so scared that he was going to be killed by the man hurting him who threatened to kill him. I had power in that moment to say mm-hmm. you do not ever <laughs> with a lot of explicit <laughs> touch oh, yeah. me again. Yeah. And that what the trainer goes and what else do you want to say? And I never said this out loud. When I was 17, I grabbed a knife to kill him <clears throat> and he was going at my mom and I, I grabbed the knife. I'm putting the dishes away. And right when I did, I started bawling, like broken bawling, like bawling my eyes out. Like, and I was like, I'm sorry. I wanted to kill you. I wanted to kill you. And, like, and it just dissipated like cockroaches. They all went away. My brother's like right. rocking on the couch. I can't, he's like, no one talked about it the next day. It was the craziest thing. And the guy at the trainer said, what else do you want to say? After I had just like let out a volcanic release that I had never even known was inside me. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I wish I killed you. And right when I said that, <gasps> mm-hmm. I could breathe for the first time in my life. I didn't know I couldn't breathe until I said that. Now, do I wish I could? Mm-hmm. No, but that was in me somewhere in that moment of all that trauma and all the pain and all the, all the stalking that I'd gone through and all the craziness and the, the, the hell that little boy was like, I wish I killed you. Yeah. And that's when I truly had a born again experience because a, no one judged me. No one was like, Oh, are you a killer? Are you a sociopath? Are you a, a weirdo? Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm just a kid that experienced a massive amount of trauma that no one knew. And I held it for so long. And, you know, and, 
anyway, I share, you, you said so many things that I just want to share, like me as a father with my own children and then me and understanding that disassociation, understanding that mm-hmm. there's just a lot of sharing. Sorry, brother. I no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I mean, I, 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 I'm glad you said that because I, you know, and I'm not here to really give my story and testimony I've done in some of my interviews, but I, um, I had a moment when I was reading that book, Alice Miller in 2013, where I can see everything that was happening to me then. But when I came to a certain passage in the book, I had to put the book down almost instantly because it had described the dynamic of my mother and father to a T without me having the full reality of that moment. But here's what happened. And this is why you healed yourself right then and there. To the child, like you said, that which was in you had been silenced and muted that violence that they put in you had not been expressed before until it was finally said out loud for the first time and released. And when I read that book, my first part of this, my, my awakening of course has happened in several steps. Like anybody it's, it's a continual journey and a process, but it's not a, it's not a futile one. That's the thing I wish to impart to people who maybe hearing this for the first time or had started and they go, Oh my God, this is so horrible. And and it will never end. No, it can end. It ends with you. Yes. It ran in my family before it ran into me. Mm. You are the strongest generation that has ever lived in the history of humanity with all of the shit that has been poured upon humanity. You're here for a reason, not here to watch it all go to hell, but to play a role in the drama of God, however you wish to view it. And the truth is, is that we can end the generational traumas now, today. The future begins right here, right now. What I was feeling when you were telling me that was also my own pain, and I started to tear up as well because I know how much a child loves their parent and doesn't want to feel those feelings mm-hmm. because they're ugly feelings. Yeah. They're horrible feelings. They're the feelings that cause murderers. Yep. Those murderers don't have the tools or the ability for a variety of reasons. It's very complicated, but it's not one dimensional. It's not a conscious choice to go and kill someone. Right. Like I said, this is nobody's plan A. So when you're in that moment, when I came to that moment, which was the first time that I really had the shock in me, the moment I'm talking about a split second where I finished the passage, this anger erupted out of me to a conscious thought in my mind where my father who was a younger man in the, in the image. So this was back then was tied up, gagged, and beaten, and bloodied. Mm -hmm. And I was standing over him with psychopathic eyes, maniacal eyes, whites above my, with two electric cables Mm. 
thrilled to torture and kill that man for what he did. I didn't have all the information, but it was the first day that there was a release. And I knew that I did not have to be afraid of that, that I had to pursue. It was telling me something that I did not understand yet, but that I had to pursue the truth, to pursue what meaning that had and why it came into my mind that I would want to do that to my own father. Not that I didn't have access, that he wasn't an alcoholic, that he left me at four, but what really transpired in those first four years of my life that I did not have memory or recollection of, that anger and the expression of that hatred and that rage was the first time that I began to heal. This is why people can't be afraid to express. You, you do need, I mean, let's just be clear. We do want to work with people like you and me who have those understandings. I'm not here to be a life coach, but I'm just saying those who understand and know the process. It's not a mechanical one. It's a creative one, but it's one that is inviting and loving and gives you that space in a safe place. Yes. Because again, you weren't in a safe place back then to be able to say any of that. Right. You were muted. You were silenced. You had to obey. You had to take it on. It was your fault. You blamed yourself just like your child blamed herself, right? Where did she get that idea? Well, because that idea was in you, not at a conscious level, but an energetic one. That's right. So your vibrational energy, and this is the thing what I was saying about the sacredness of children, it's not what you're literally telling them that is what's going on in their mind. Mm. It's your whole being. And that child is literally a mirror and you are a mirror to it. And its attachment to you is not just in the structure of the family. It's in its own being. It cannot see itself separate from you, Mm. especially in the first year and a half of its life. There's a thing in Alice Miller's work. She talks about healthy narcissism, which I'm not going to go into the, because people hear narcissism. They're like, well, oh, geez, you're, you're talking. No, the child's attachment to you is pure. Narcissism is is a function of the biological structure and intelligence that is attaching itself and constant. Let's just, in a practical level, the child falls down and right next to mom and dad, it looks up. What is mom's dad's response? If it's panic and terror, it's panic and terror in the child. If it's, oh, you're okay. What the child learns is that when it falls down and quote, hurts itself, it will get back up and can move on. But when you blame that child, when you put fear in that child and you constantly deny the child's feelings and subjugate them and place your own as the priority, that's the narcissism. That's the unhealthy narcissism that's developing in them. Because what are narcissists? People who carry the most blame, shame, and guilt among everyone, but on a psychotic level or a, let's just say, potentially sociopathic, Sociopathic, where, where the whole entire world is the problem, not them. Why? Because they're avoiding that pain. They don't have access to it at a conscious level. It's not like you can walk up to a narcissist or let me say this. I don't, and my friend taught me this is to not declare people narcissists, even though they have narcissistic behaviors. It's really to look at the behaviors because in I could give you examples today where people who go, well, I'm not into the authoritarian way and I don't submit well, but that narcissistic energy is is not evenly distributed across a line here or a line there. It's all across. Any of us have been 
denied our authority in childhood are seeking authority outside of ourselves. Okay. So I'm just trying to give a more holistic view. Yeah. But to, but to your point, there's really powerful that the child in you had the opportunity to express himself or herself in an environment that was safe and understanding. This is where we have to go. This is where our healing is. This is not in the medical profession or even with technology. This is the biological intelligence that is able to have empathy, compassion, unconditional love, creativity, all of those gifts that children are born with. The system and us have programmed them out Mm. to make everything a literal interpretation of reality. And that's why when when we get into adulthood, we have new patterns that start to emerge and we have to create new understandings. But we can take the value of a child as they are. And this is the key. Natural law is the only way to make it happen. Mm. The preservation and the sacredness of children can be maintained when we do that work. We give those gifts back to our children. We reflect them back into the soul of the child who is seeking that for which we are capable at conscious level to give them and reflect back to them. This is the power that we have. This is not the power of the world. This is the power of the spirit. This is the power of the soul. And without getting too far into this, um, there is one thing that I think your audience should look up if they're not going to read books is to go to Alice Miller's website and look at the 12 points for the roots of violence. Mm. Commit those to memory, go back to them, because they are, there is no contradiction in any of those. That is every single human being born on this planet, mm. whether they are born in this life or the other or this reality or the other or whatever their understandings are, the universal truths are in everything. Your fear that you experienced, my fear that I experienced, same, yeah. different realities times and spaces but same feeling everybody knows what fear is everybody has felt anger and there's healthy anger and there's unhealthy anger there's righteous anger but then there's also righteous anger that has hatred behind it in justifying in what it's doing no justice no peace burn down two billion dollars worth of property to march for justice and peace these are the inversions these are the things that we don't see that are going on behind the scenes because we're watching it in these 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 dialogues and these news stories but the the common denominator is we have a world that has been run by however you define it people who have abused children not every single one of them but that collective energy has enabled our own unconsciousness to manifest into such a way that we gave everyone last year the fear of dying And what that did was it erupted all of this shit coming out. Addictions, all-time high. People committing suicide, all-time high. People going into binge drinking and obesity and all. Why? Why? We're talking about kids in high school who were star athletes being recruited by college who had a coach, a father figure in many cases, but that's not the issue. Again, It was those connections that we broke, Mm. shut everyone's illusion of reality down, 
gave them the fear of dying, which what it did was brought up the unconscious traumas that keep us from living in the present moment. So there's always a future threat to be perceived or avoided or you see what I'm saying? This is how everybody started to retreat. And what did they do? I'm just saying on a practical level, they took a personal private matter called individual health and they put it out there for public debate for and against the authorities. Mm. This is how they get these things done, these agendas. But this is not the answer. The answer is not in the agenda. The answer is actually away from the agenda, the beauty and the life that you're creating. And here's the thing I'm going to tell people very clearly, no matter how this turns out, if you go after people who are enjoying their life and loving life, you are causing damage to the overall collective. Because here's the thing, we are meant to be free, sovereign beings, full of love and this divinity. And when we reduce that in because of how we think things should be or how we feel things should be, we're making everybody else responsible to answer to us. Mm. And this is a feature of this time, but it is not the defining moment. The defining moment is this, what you're talking about, is the beauty and the value of every human being's life, no matter what it is that we perceive. If you believe that your life has more value over someone else, you will always find an enemy. And that enemy that you're seeking is the one you're seeing in the mirror. That's right. The one that you hate outside of yourself is the one that you hate inside of yourself. Right. The key with child childhood, and this is very important, in those moments where we lacked the care and the rational, creative answer from our gods, mm-hmm. our mother and father, was the void that was created, the whole of loneliness. It's an artificial loneliness. It's, non, it's a non-reality. But what happens is, is that that child has to retreat within itself. And then all of the horrors that have manifested become its shield to protect that loneliness. Mm. And behind that is terror, anger, fear, and hatred. And first, that terror, fear, anger, and hatred is self-hatred. Yes, yes. The child blames themselves and has that hole for the lack of care that has been removed in its moment of need, fills all of that up with the hatred, the anger, the fear. Mm. And it will come out in self-destructive acts as well as acts against the state or the authorities This is not to say that people shouldn't stand up, stand up for their rights and protest. But what I am telling you is this. They want us to engage in conflict, to hit a tipping point where we lose our shit and we prove them right that they now have the answer for the response to that violence. Mm. This is very important to people. This is why engaging in this type of thing where you are basically fighting i'm not saying you shouldn't stand up this is the key but you have to think of other possibilities beyond this moment now because the creative rational person is the one that the establishment and the authorities even after all of this is said and done with tyranny are going to prey upon in people's doubting of themselves 
Mm. And, and it's not going to be a fight that you're going to walk up to somebody and try to change the way they feel. You have to live it within yourself. If you're looking at everyone here in this time and say, look, we're all refugees, guys. Okay. We've got people that are going to walk into this matrix, right? And some of us are going to be pulled in that direction because we're going to have families that go, all of the people we care about. Here's the thing. If you care about humanity, you must love everyone. And what that means is if you truly love everyone, that's not about, you know, offering yourself up to get your ass kicked. I'm talking about you must go and create the world that everyone wants to live in, a safe world for all children. Then none of this, none of this has any relevance. It can't take root in people who are devoid of that love because that love gives them strength to endure the hardest of times, the greatest of challenges. You can call it looking at things with rose-colored glasses. Look at us, Lucas. We've lived our lives in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You you know what I'm saying? And, and And this is the thing is that if we wish to reverse these ancestral traumas and these curses, the key is this. The fourth commandment, is honor thy mother and father. And you and I both know that's been a distorted message from the very beginning, which is about authoritarian subservience, submission, obedience, right? right. Honor your mother and father, no matter what they have done to you. Right. But the truth about that is, is that you can honor them for the beautiful children that they were born to be when they first came into this world and didn't have a choice. You can be the generation that breaks that curse for which they could not do themselves, but would have wanted to had they known where they would have ended up and what they would have done. That little girl, that little five-year-old girl that was my mother, that little five-year-old beautiful baby boy that I see in those pictures could never have conceived of having a family one day and doing worse things to their children that were done to them in spite of all that they tried to withhold doing. They could not, they succumbed to the program. They came and they followed their trauma while trying to relieve it, to try to find a way out. That is our responsibility and accountability that we can take upon ourselves to end it. But it is not going to be one out of violence and hatred and fighting physically or otherwise, or it's standing up for what is true and being the center of your universe and all the people around you that you love and care for in whatever way possible. But if you don't heal yourself, you cannot go around and tell everybody what to do. You can't be the person who says, well, I love humanity, but I hate these people over here. Again, your hatred is their hatred. Your suffering is their suffering. Their suffering is your suffering. But to change the course of time and history is here in the quantum field of the heart and the mind. Yes. This is all science now. And I mean, this, this, this has been out there for several years, yeah. but it's starting to come online more and more. Yeah. And there is going to be a convergence of all of this in three to five years, I believe. That's just my own opinion. The dissolution and the dissolving of our institutions, the churches, Yep. All of this was pre-planned, pre-ordained. Of course, it's going to have its own set of problems. There's going to be splits in the church. There's going to be people who follow the religious doctrine. There's going to be others who are spiritual. There's going to be new age. There's going to be satanic cults. Yep. All of it is going to come to bear. But 
Which one will win? The future is up to you, not what happens over here or what this person does. Because at the end of the day, if you have the world that they everybody wants to live in, you have the food, the resources, the water, and the land that you have prepared out of an act of creation through mm -hmm. imagination, which is the child, the child with the adult, the yes. adult coming to rescue that inner child. You are the one who breaks that loop, that cycle. Mm -hmm. You are the one who goes back, like you said, where there's no time in that yeah. spiritual realm talking to that child and saying, child, I will love you. I will care for you. You are beautiful and precious to me. That is what is true. Everything else is an illusion outside of ourselves where we're trying to find the answer. And this is not to retreat and go away. You must embrace the world mm. in the way that is new. And it's also, I guess, I guess the last thing I want to say about this is, what you create in that union with your child is infinite possibilities that manifest beyond the material world. Yes. And those are the things where people, when they see you, they can feel you and it will begin to awaken things in them because you're living the embodiment of the Christ mm. in your heart. The kingdom of heaven is within you. I am in the father. The father is in me and we That's are in right. you. That's right. Right. Okay, <laughs> if we're really going to do this, right. we have to. <laughs> let's do it. Yes, that's right. Brother, you said so many things that are so beautiful. Um, I really believe in Jesus saying, I am my father are one. He's saying that I am taking the sonship to myself as the father of myself, to love myself mm -hmm. as the father. Mm -hmm. When plant medicine has been a big um mm -hmm big healing modality for me, massive healing modality because, yeah. Oh, I, I, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. One of the ceremonies I sat in, I realized I have always been my own mother and father and that mm. I was the one who nurtured myself. I was the one who dusted myself off and told myself to get back out. I've always been, my, we are all of us are our own mother and father. And It brings, you said something, it's so interesting. The King James Bible is hated by the religious Christian world for the most part, but it's, mm -hmm. there's a reason for why the, the revised version came out in 1881 and the progressive era came out in the 1880s and Charles Darwin came, all this 1880s onward has led us to this world we're in mm -hmm. now. But this one Bible written in 1611, the Jesuits tried to kill him twice before it came out and all this stuff. Interesting language, because in Genesis three, he tell the serpent tells um, the serpent tells Eve, you shall not surely die for the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open. You shall be as gods. Mm -hmm. All the new Bible versions from 1881 on say you should be like God. But I think what really is being said in that moment, you just helped me clarify something because the mother and father are the gods to the children. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens right after he tells them that and Adam knew his wife and she bare a son. And she called that son Cain and they bear another son and they bear immediately. It goes into the gods and the duality, the duality and the begatting. I joke around, so he begat, he begat, but all of a sudden the lineages of the gods mm -hmm. begin mm -hmm. 
in that moment, knowing that we're knowing is that intimate knowing that sexual intercourse, knowing both in spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, psychological, mm-hmm. everything, the enraptured knowing good mm-hmm. and evil. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also this, I had this vision the other day and it is not unique, but I just had this vision that all, every time our parents pop out and, and our grandparents, when they popped out of the body, Mm-hmm. all our ancestors are like right here going, do it, break it, break it, break it. And as soon as we break that, it's like, we, we like blew the chains off them almost like Ray in star yeah. Wars. When she goes up to that, which she's most afraid of, she snaps and it goes mm-hmm. forward to her. It's like, we broke all the generations back and all the generations forward and mm-hmm. and you and I wouldn't be who we are today had we not had these parents right exactly the perfect role in a in a holistic view had my mom and dad not been who they are I wouldn't be who I am and now mm-hmm. that I love myself truly just because I I mean truly not a like self-love narrative but like Oh, okay. I finally love myself. Mm-hmm. I can love them for who the role that they played, mm-hmm. even though I don't affirm their actions or right. They played the perfect role to make me, me and your parents played the perfect role to make you, you, but we only on the other side of the healing, I guess, paradigm. Can we get to Oh that? yeah. No, you, you can't tell somebody that like, no, it was all, you know, it was all above board and, you know, it was all for, for the reasons that, you know, we're talking about. And that's, that's a, uh, yeah, go ahead. I want to show you one more thing. So I've had these visions since I was four, I, since my first memory is being four years old and I trace it back to where we were, what the house I was in when I first had this vision, I've had these visions that are, I know that will come to pass. I don't, I just like more than I believe, like Mm -hmm. I'm touching this thing. I can feel this. Mm -hmm. Something is coming and it is going to be, it's going to be so beautiful. Um, and I just want to share a couple of things before I show this picture to you. And I think, cause I want to be, you will be on stage at this thing. I I'm like, wow, God, you're bringing us all together right now. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. When I had this vision, these visions my whole life. And then when I was 17 years old, this is right around that time I grabbed the knife and all this stuff. I was at church and, and there was this worship song taking place. I don't remember what it was, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm in worship and the the whole church was packed and it like everyone else's voice became dim and I could hear my voice. And then all of a sudden my voice became dim and I could hear everyone else's voice like loud. And then all of a sudden this, this voice came in, said, someday you'll lead my people into my presence. And I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it was weird. I mean, I, it was the first time I'd ever had anything supernatural, yeah. spiritual, like besides the vision stuff, but like, I heard this and I had experienced this like quiet and loud and my voice quiet and loud. Mm-hmm. And then the month after I attempted suicide. So three years later, mm-hmm. I had this vision again, only this time I walk in, it was probably like, it reminds me. And I think it probably is the staple center in Los Angeles, even though I've never been there. 
Oh, wow. But it is this, the parking lot is packed with cars, but there's not a person in sight. And I walk up to the, I'm only perceiving what the call is. I've never been there, so I don't know, but I think it is the stable center, I guess. And I open the foyer and no one's around. It's just me. And I open the foyer and immediately, I mean, immediately when I enter, I am in the presence of God. And it's like, like everything is like, like there's nothing, there's no weight. There's no trauma. There's nothing. It was just like, it was just immersed in the, it was like we breathed in love. It was like God's presence was there. And I go through the foyer and I open up the doors to the arena and I see just people just, I mean, thousands of people just in the presence of God, worshiping, praying. It's not religious either. This is a very important thing. That it was not religious. It had nothing to do with if you say these words and you do that. It was nothing. It was just yeah, God no was there and we yeah. were there. And it was just bathing and basking and like being in there. And God was healing everyone. It was really beautiful. And I saw myself on in the middle of this grand piano leading some music to this moment that reminded me when I was 17 and the, these two encounters, 17 and 20 tied to this vision since I was four years old that I could remember. And usually when I flew out of my body, I was in this place. Mm-hmm. And when Billy Graham, who <laughs> did something very unique in that for seven decades, good, bad, good intentions, bad intentions, most likely part of the player in the game, but gathered tens and 50, 70,000 people in these arenas, that movement is coming again. Only it will not be a religious movement. It won't be. If you say the Romans roadmap, it's going to be God is going to meet us. And I found this, this is Madison square garden. And this is Billy Graham in 1950, 1957. And this is going to happen again. And I have this vision. I wanted to share this with you on this podcast because I, as you're talking, Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you're on stage of this thing too, is it doesn't matter if someone's been a perpetrator, we're going to invite them to heal. If I just see this thing, like there's volunteers, like, yes. And there's yeah. music playing. Like, if you need to heal, if you need to be hugged, if you need to cry, if you need, just come, we come. If you have hurt other people, if you come and just, oh my goodness, just a, just a, like a flood of, you said the Holy Spirit earlier. It's like God's indwelling presence shows up and everyone is just like, <sighs> it's love. It's, it's that, love. it's love. It's the highest vibration in all of the universe. Oh, brother. He said, when all is said and done, love will remain. It's so beautiful. It is. It really, the potential for healing and gathering and togetherness um, should never be diminished ever again. Mm. In this time, in this ritual that they have separated and divided and decentralized and put us into camps and groups and tribes and for and against. It's like the only way out is to heal and bring that healing to other people, which is not an egoic position of righteousness so much as it is the truth. And the truth is what will set you free. And the truth is the word and the word is love. 
<laughs> I mean, you just have, I mean, I, I don't know what will happen, but I know that that is the potential of what could happen. And it's up to each individual to bring forth that in themselves, however you can find it, however you can search for it within yourself and the world around you is to make everything beautiful, mm. make it beautiful. It's hard. It's hard to take to find the beauty, but this is why art exists. It's a, it's an unconscious yet conscious journey, but an unconscious expression of the divine that is manifesting within you for which you're trying to perceive in the journey to understand. Hmm. It's creating the metaphors that are outside of yourself that when you create beauty, people can't stop looking at it, right? Right. And, and really, here's the truth too. Beauty is hard to judge against, mm. right? Yeah. The beauty in a person to hate beauty is really uh, causing them further suffering to go down. And this is where you can lift people up to say, no, it's not that you're wrong. You're welcome with us. Mm. Not to join us in a cult, not to make this about um, a... I want to say it's a human, it's, it's the opposite of what the humanists are looked upon as in terms of the solution is a mechanical one. No, it's a spiritual dwelling within you that is your being. And it's what, hello, it's what everybody, who wouldn't want to live that way? Right, who wouldn't exactly. want to feel that way right now? Right. That's who right. Who wants to live in a world like this, no matter what your understandings are? You want the love and the care. You want the unity. You want people to come back together again, yet again, in a new, renewed spirit. <laughs> and there is going to be all sorts of different things that are possible. But here's the thing. They played their hand mm. so hard that there is no going back. That doesn't mean that it's all going to be wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. The real work that is ahead of us is here right now. And it's calling all of us to do something for which each of us has our own free will to choose what we wish to do. It's not about what I do that's right in, uh, in opposition to you. It's what you truly feel that is authentic in you. Mm. The age of truth and authenticity is here right now with all the bullshit yes. that is going on. You only have your own authentic self to, to begin with. And it's always been the case but we gave our authority away, right? In a series of steps through fear and trust at the same time. Mm. We are compassionate, loving beings that were made in the image of God as a child of God. And I've had friends in this time who have turned to Satan, not because they wanted to, but because it was a logical conclusion according to all that they had witnessed and felt within the damage of those individuals. Christian women turning to Satan because they had parents who were Christians who abused their children. Mm -hmm. This is why I make this case that I do about child abuse. You are not, you're playing with fire. Yeah. If you think that you can tell somebody how to feel, how to think, it ain't going to happen. Right. You have to bring the feeling there. Yes. The welcoming, loving feeling of compassion, understanding, empathy, and ultimately unconditional love. But you have to feel that for yourself first, because you'll never be able to give it in a message to anyone. That's why you have the authenticity you do. That's why I do. Yes. I'm still working on my stuff. I'm not the so person. Oh, I've got it all. <laughs> so no, 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 no. <laughs> There's always new things, right? Yes. There's always yes. new layers to unpack. But as yes. you get through them, 
That for which was the pastness of the pain is the joy of the present and the future, the transcendence to the transmutation. This new earth that we can bring is not a solid three-dimensional density. Right. It's to raise the vibration of everything around us within and outside of ourselves in all the things that we create, the cakes and the food we make, yeah. to the art that we create that resonates truth, yes. particles of truth that can be viewed from hundred different people, a thousand different people, a million different people, and connect with something emotional in them, have a reaction for God's sake, rather than the proletariat, you know, the propaganda, which is the literal interpretation. This is why, and I'm just kind of tying this into Hollywood, not to knock, you know, it's not about the Satanists and all this. What has happened is they've lost their craft. Mm. They've lost the ability to create like George Lucas did in the original trilogy, which is totally mythological. And Luke Skywalker is all of us, by the way. Um, I just wish to make this one point. The story of Luke Skywalker in mythology is probably one of the greatest characters in all of history. Mm. And the reason for that is that he's born of a bad seed. Vader, who was once on the light side of the force, who turned to the dark side because of what? Fear, anger, hatred, suffering. The manifestation of Luke's journey was to go, I want to go fight the empire. Mm. I want to join the rebellion. Boy, did he get, boy, did he get his wish, but not, <laughs> yeah. in, but not in a way that he thought. So he was taken out of the world he once knew into the world of the unknown. He was paired with a mentor, Ben Kenobi, who in an act of self-sacrifice raised Luke up to a higher state of faith Mm. where he turned off his mechanical monitor that was telling him when to drop the bomb. He felt it and trusted in it. Mm. He let go to the unknown, took a bigger step into a higher level in an empire. It's the inversion of all of that. His fear, his anger, his hatred drew him into conflict where he lost his hand and then was told that the man who was about to kill him was his own father. And in that moment, he was offered to join him, that he was as powerful as Vader was, that to join him. And what did he have to do? He had to take an even greater leap of faith and fall all the way down, not knowing if he would live or not. But he would, he resisted evil. He failed every step of the way. What he thought he knew, he had to come to new understandings through failure. In Return of the Jedi, he gets there. He has all of Vader's powers. He can do the force chokehold, which he does at the beginning, the Jedi mind tricks, okay? But then he must go and confront his father, now confirmed by Master Yoda, that says he is your father. And he says, but I don't. I don't want to fight him. I can't kill my own father. That was his understanding that he had to kill the evil in order to win. What did he do? He went there as an acceptance of what was, yet he believed in the good that was still in the man, the machine. Mm. And he would not fight his father. He would not turn to the dark side. And the only thing that the dark side could do was to provoke his anger and fear, to make him strike the emperor, make him strike his father. His father then said, if you will not be turned, 
then your sister will. And that's when he became enraged Mm. and fought him and got him to a position where he could have murdered him right then and there. And he saw in himself that hatred manifesting how easily it was that in his righteous act of anger, he too could turn so easily and then turn to the most evil one, which was the emperor and said, for the first time, I am a father. I am a Jedi like my father before me. Mm. And it was the first time in the entire trilogy that the emperor had said, so be it Jedi. Mm. And because of his self-sacrifice, his act of love, it created the possibility for which evil cannot perceive, which is the, again, propaganda of everything that the emperor said he had foreseen and said was true turned out to be false. Mm. And he was the one who was defeated because Luke Skywalker didn't kill or defeat anyone. He won the day because he loved deeper than anything that evil could ever propagate. And that's the story of each and every single one of us is is that those forces that are within us, we resist them, but we also acknowledge their value because it's not about avoidance or denial or suppression of the truth. It's to manifest the living truth that we are in a time and a place in a body and a mind in a world of unconscious men who seek power not realizing what they truly are. Mm. And because they don't know what they truly are or the world that they live in, they seek to have power over people to guide them, to usher them in, to whatever it is that they believe will lead us to the place that we should go. Mm. But at the end of the day, they have no power if you don't listen to them. They have no power if you don't play in their system of belief and illusion. To know what is true is to know yourself. And here's the thing. It's not what I think I know. It's me being more layers of awareness and discernment to watch myself at all times. Watch myself and see what is really going on and see and try to find the answer. Keep continuing to come back those loops, those cycles that keep repeating to learn the lesson of the past, to transcend it from the present into a future of love. Mm. That is that is Luke Skywalker's journey. That is essentially what he did. And I use that as a metaphor because truly all of the esoteric secrets, if you will, uh, the divine truths mm-hmm. are kept by this group and blocked from getting any further beyond our perceived reality, our conscious awareness. It's to keep us caged. Mm. Well, that cage is being broken through. Yes. And what the world will look like a year from now, two years from now, five years, 10 years, 50, 100, whatever is meant to be, we are here to play a role in it. Mm. And if you step up and become ready player one, <laughs> you will... You will, and it's not to go in and fight. It's to be that shepherd, Christ the shepherd, because nobody will see it coming. No evil person will ever see Christ the shepherd coming because it's not something that they can perceive beyond their own domination, their own hardening and reality of knowledge, which 
actually, this last thing I want to say, you mentioned this thing about Eve. I contemplated this and I said, well, the devil had to tempt Eve because it couldn't just tempt Adam. Because if Adam was tempted first, Eve could make him come back. Mm -hmm. So they had to take in the divine feminine and invert it yes. in order for the man to follow. The other thing is, is this, and this ties into mythology. Uh, I'm going to use a reference that Joseph Campbell made, but it's really important. We are born in the Garden of Eden, and we, are, we take a bite from the tree of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the knowledge that is given to us is the controls, mm -hmm. the authorities, the experts, yes. those who publish. And I'm not putting them down. Those yeah. who are the best sellers, all the ones... Because all of it is ego-driven at the end of the day. It's self-serving as myself, me, what I am in the world. Look at all the people. It, it, it is the same thing that a child does, which is seeks love. But when it seeks love in the world, that's where we get into problems. The distortions come into play. The identities, the labels, the this or that, the material, the, uh, the cultural engineering all takes root because they're seeking that love outside of themselves and they will be given an identification that matches how they wish to feel on the inside. This is why child abuse is so important to understand because we are creating those holes that are going to be filled at a later time. But the more important thing and I guess I kind of like a little, went a little bit off my thought here. Great, I'm tracking. This is great. But what, okay, I'm going to ask you to help me back up just a little bit because okay. I kind okay. of went on a little sidetrack. So um, we, went, we went Skywalker, Joseph Campbell, the tree of yeah. knowledge. Okay. Okay. And even tree of knowledge, which all of us, we can call it the program, the matrix, however you want to look at it. Mm hmm. Joseph Campbell's mythology was one of, uh, I don't remember the origin of it, but he talks about this, that the child is the camel with two humps. And we load up the child with this heavy load to make it strong or to see if it can take that load and it goes out into the world and it becomes a lion. Mm -hmm. And the lion is the adult. Now the lion has shed its load, but it's also integrated it into its strength and its brute force that's going to take on the world, right? And the world is the dragon. And the dragon has scales all over it that each one on the scale says, thou shalt not mm. or do. Mm. Age of comparison. Yes. Right and wrong. Yes. What works first? what doesn't testing 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 taking all that programming all that load out and throwing it out there to see what comes back and what works and what doesn't but he says this the lion slays and destroys the dragon when it goes through all of that and it returns to a child mm. the child creator is where heaven and earth is manifesting in its purest form at the very beginning. If we go back to the beginning and we start to remember what we are, who we are, where we came from, the lineage, the ancestry, are our roots. They're taking all of our DNA and they're using it. I mean, just saying on, by comparison on this dual, dualistic system, they have all of your DNA, all of your ancestry, all your birth records, all your birth charts, all your star charts, all of the cosmology, 
all of the cycles in cosmology. This is not records, everything, all of it. They know all of it. And they are planning for a systematic culling like they have done many times before. This is just an accelerated version. They have poisoned our air. They have poisoned our food, our ecosystems, and they poisoned our minds, among many other things. All of which is a mechanical solution to fight against those systems. But the conscious energy is not going away unless we pull ourselves out of it Mm. and go into a time where Our DNA, our biological intelligence, all of that is the opposite of artificial intelligence, which is the perfect weapon of the psychopath that is non-feeling. It's a non-feeling human being who cannot recognize patterns. It can only offer you illusions based on probability, based on previous concepts in its learning, but it cannot go any higher and it will collapse But the thing is, is like I said, the world that we create starting today is the future for all of those people who will come out of that system looking for answers. And if we haven't prepared and set the table with the ingredients, they're not going to be able to join us in that meal. (laughs) This is so good. This is everything I hoped it would be and more. Just, I'm so glad we talked. And, you know, and I want to joke around just as we're. Yeah, we could, we could stop being so serious. I know, I and John Paul is an amazing movie producer and has done amazing films and important films. And, and, yeah. um, but as a byproduct, I think, and it's like all the things I'm doing, it's like a byproduct of our like primary soul's expression here to be an invitation. Mm-hmm for every person to heal. You know, like yeah. I want to say game day, um, which I recommend every, and I'll put all the links in the show notes and, and, and I recommend everyone watch game. I watched game day and, and um, uh, a child's voice, right? Is that what it, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when the fought, when the grandfather, the real father of that family, the real traumatized narcissist sucks his thumb, for a second humbled himself back into that child dynamic looking for the mother to see him and then he realized how absurd that was and it was just an interesting like to me that moment was the the fulcrum of that entire dynamic that one i'm filled grandfather who is the narcissist who projected onto the grandson to fulfill mm-hmm. his dreams who who did not like the soft son who did you know all that stuff when he sucked his thumb what do you want me to do suck my thumb and does that and and then realizes in himself that touched something that he wasn't ready for that to touch and it in it that to me that was the whole point of that movie i like Cause it ends, you know, just, it was just the way it ends, but I kept going back that moment. We're talking about the child healing. We're talking about art and nuance mm-hmm. and beauty. Mm-hmm. And like also in inspiration to be in the spirit, did that actor really mean to convey that? Thing? Who knows? But to me as someone, it's so beautiful. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, and it, I mean, you you hit the head on the nail, and that's it, a very astute observation because that is the whole thing: is that all of us want to go back to baby, mm. yeah. and 
And he, you know, he obviously was started in an act of anger. He says, do you want me to be a fucking baby? Is that what you want? Yeah. You know, okay, I'll be it. I'll be it. And I remember it was a month ago, we were in Philadelphia. We had a capacity crowd standing room only in the back. It was amazing. And I remember the audience just going, (gasps) like you could hear this gasp go across the audience. And they were like, they could gutturally feel Mm -hmm. what was being said there. And the, and here's the thing about art. This is why it's so fun. The artist themselves that's creating this, I, I don't write and direct, I produce, but I share a creative vision with the director. Of course, we, we have shared values and understandings of things. But in the pursuit of art, you don't really know what it is that you're saying. You just, you, you have your, uh, when I say it's not haphazard, there is an intention, right? But what's amazing about art, just like life, is we don't know what we're doing sometimes. (laughs) We don't know what we're really saying. And the artist in its authentic expression is why other people can go back years later and look at something and see it through new eyes. Like Mm. Casablanca, 80-year-old film, is still true. It's a wonderful life. How is it that those films are classics because they have archetypes that are built into all of history? They're playing in an illusion of reality, right? A time, a place, a space, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, 2,000 years ago. Is it really about 2,000 years ago that a story began and end or is it continued? These are all, this is what I'm saying. It's like all of these are metaphors to our lives. Mm. And art is what is so great about art to me when it's authentic and true is that it reflects back into you. Mm. I had people that watched that movie that couldn't stop thinking about it for days after. Now, that's not like, I mean, that's the greatest compliment that you could get. But at the same time, that's not something that you can plan to do or you can only, it's like what Denzel Washington said. He said, all I can, I can bake a cake and I can serve it to you and I can serve it to this person, this person, this person. One person going to say, that was pretty good. Another person said, eh, not so much. The other person said, this is the best cake I've ever made. I've ever tasted. Mm. Right. Mm. But he said, at the end of the day, all you can do is bake that cake. Mm. Everybody else consuming it is going to see what they want to see. It's sort of like, a mirror into their their soul a little bit now that doesn't mean everybody's going to like it because some things that some people say in films not because you disagree with it but that they stir something that they don't want to see and that's not a judgment for or against them that's just where they're at but what i do believe in doing authentic art is to know your audience Know what it is that you're trying to convey and say through the belief and the discovery and the journey within yourself to surprise yourself. And so when you show people what is even surprising to you, that scene wasn't written until two drafts later, right? But it like in a moment of inspiration or like a child's voice, that ending, you know, again, the ending was a moment of inspiration that came in the last week of our editing and me going, you know what, maybe it was, I was in the shower and I wasn't even thinking about it. it just, it just popped in there. And I said, Edgar, da, 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 da. And he's like, that's correct. Like there was something true there. Right. So we're in the process of the script you write, the one you shoot, the one you edit, and then the one that is perceived or seen. Right. And all of it is feedback, 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 feedback. 
Each one of my movies, I've done seven of them now in 12 years, starting with One Hour Fantasy Girl, which was based on a true story about a young girl working out of a motel in Hollywood at $150 an hour. She did any fantasy a man wanted as long as there was no sex, no nudity, and no kissing. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, what the hell kind of fantasy? You'll find out. But, but the thing is, is that it was a deeper story than that. The story was about a young girl who had been abused. She was trying to find her own strength mm. in her clients, and they were trying to find strength in her. And then finally, it hit a tipping point. But it was all about our movies is like you have today. And if you get to tomorrow, you got to win. <laughs> you got <laughs> yeah, right. to win. And, and with game day, you mm. know, what I love about it is this is our seventh film in, in that time. We've gotten better with each movie, more detailed in our story and our casting and all that. But game day is all of these people in an Italian-American family in one day, over four quarters of Philadelphia Eagle football, mm. watching their most hated rival, the Dallas Cowboys, start to disintegrate over four quarters. The family secrets and the truths begin to be revealed catalyzed event of the X coming over, all of that. But the key about it all, and this is what makes great art, is everybody is fighting for their lives. They're fighting for something and they don't know what it is. They think they know what it is, mm. but they don't realize that what they're saying is actually about everybody else is about themselves too. Right. right. And that's what creates the greatest drama is unconscious people who are trying to figure out what the hell is going on <laughs> No matter what the plot is, right? right? And and what I'm saying, and I want to say this to artists uh, out there, your authenticity and your truth is more important now than ever before, mm. rather than to try to imitate what the, the, the controllers say is true. Your creativity, your ideas, we have new networks coming online all the time. You don't have to go to Amazon. You don't have to go to Hulu. You don't have to go to Netflix. That world was created for them. And I'll just tell the filmmakers that may be listening to this, by the way, this is a consolidation of power in the industry, mm -hmm. not just because of COVID. This was pre-planned, pre-ordained when the digital world finally came online, that this time was going to come. Prior to COVID, they had 45 buyers of media out there. They only have six now. Everything is being sucked up into their ecosystem. And I've already, I mean, I'm not going to go into a long lecture about how they're doing it, but the main thing is, is it doesn't matter yeah. because you go to the niche audiences who are ready to receive what you have because you have what everybody wants that they mm -hmm. can't get elsewhere. Right. That's the whole damn point. Right. The point is, is that you create something that is beautiful and of value and real to you. Stories about our time for our time. Go local, go into the places that are not being served. That's not a wokeism uh, uh, phrase. What I'm talking about is there is a story in everyone. Mm. There is a story waiting to be told that needs to be told that is the human story, not this crappy propaganda of these are the good people, these are the bad people. And I'm going to say everything that I think and feel, everything that I think and feel is being said. And there's no, there's no conflict. It's artificial conflict, but there's no growth. 
Film is about feelings. Art is about feelings. It's the intuitive parts of us that don't have words to describe what it is that we're experiencing. And they stir something in us. This is how I, I, I didn't come into this world to be a filmmaker. I was a baseball athlete. I had a Catholic upbringing. I was a brilliant child, but all over the crazy place. You know, I did terrible in school. I always sought to, to try to find a way. I was a brilliant sales guy from 17 to 21. I made millions of dollars for a company. I gave all that up to go out, pursue a dream in LA as an actor. Didn't end up being an actor, ended up being a producer. And so what I'm saying is let this, let this world and this life teach you. Mm. Let it grow you. Let it, let, it, let it start to blossom inside of you because you don't know what is possible until you try. And if you only allow yourself to think about everything else outside of yourself and what you can and can't do according to those things that you think are the only possibilities that exist, you're going to forever stifle your creativity and you're not going to be alive. Mm. You're not going to live. This is how Satan wins. Because again, like I said, it turns him against yourself. If you fear anything that you're going to do, and I'm telling you this as somebody who went through depression, who went through the struggle all through my career, until recently broke that spell Mm. to begin to understand that all of your brilliance, all of your talent, all of your creativity is true. And as it always has been, Mm. how you feel inside is what they want to get in to change through the mind and your emotions. That's all it is. The rest of it is up to you. And for game day and people that want to see something true and authentic, this is a story about a family that fights passionately and yet loves each other at the end. And that's, that's the real stuff. That's the sauce of life, man. Because if you're only looking at the bad shit out there and you're looking at all of the horror and you, and you just keep feeding yourself that it's going to end up hurting you. Mm, You need to break, break through with truth and truth isn't preached. Truth is self-evident. There's no belief required because here it is. Let, right. let them judge it. Let them, let them look at it. Let them feel it. You've done your part. And then you go on to the next act of creation. Mm. That's, that's the whole thing. So brother, I am so, first of all, I'm really glad we met and everyone listening. This is John, Paul and I meeting it's this podcast. It, it's yeah. so awesome. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing your heart and your vision and your dreams. And, and, and this it's it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. The the good, the beauty, the permission. We're taking our masks off to give other people permission to take their masks off. That's and right. Take our masks off, and we see the little child behind the mask. And you're like, whoa! Let's go have fun again. Let's play again. Let's let's play. I've been playing wiffle ball with my son, and some I'm like just like playing and playing and playing and. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, brother. I, I hope this is one of many times and deep conversations. And I know we can. There's a lot more. To, I just thank you. I just want you to know that. Thank you. Nah, you, Lucas. You came before me, and you did some of the hardest work that um, people will follow and mm-hmm. and learn from you. And what we have is this time to share. And there's no time to waste about sharing and expressing ourselves and being open and honest and saying, if it's anger, let it be anger, but let that anger go. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold it in. Don't, don't stand in your anger. 
feel it, let it out, let it be said, and then be done with it and move on to the next phase. And man, the, the possibilities are endless. They really are endless. The rest of this is going to take care of itself, but we have to take care of ourselves and be ready for when that world may meet us again, but they'll be looking for an answer. And if we don't have it, we're going to go down with it. And I don't think that's what we want to do. And I don't think anybody is really sitting here going, man, I just don't know. I'm just going to give up and I'm going to check out. No, man, now's the time to create, yes. to fight and stand up for what is true, but create, be a force of creation. That's the number one thing. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, John Paul, I'm excited to get you back uh, on for more. We could talk so much more and I loved everything you said. Thank you. Um, these are one of, this is one of those episodes that I think everyone listening or watching, you're going to want to go back and watch again. There's so much in this. There's so much depth and beauty and truth in this episode. So, uh, thank you all for joining. Thank you, John Paul, for coming on and make sure you go check out sound soul studio. I got a lot of powerful episodes coming out as we embark on this year, 2022. Thank you all. Merry Christmas to everyone. And happy new year, blessings upon blessings, love and light to each and every one of you and look up for light comes from above, not from below. So look up, be it in your mind and your soul rise up into this time of beauty, of goodness, and do not let the fear, division, lies, coercion, manipulation from the satanic AI machinery rob you of the beauty of this present moment, this now moment to go within, to release all that no longer serves you so that you can receive the most high love. I bless you all, brothers and sisters. This is the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com. <music>